0: Hey, welcome to Reflection as a Service. This is Paul Merrill. I'm your host, and I'm joined today by a guest host, Giselle Aldridge, and myself go way back when to college at Florida State University, and she'll be joining us in just a few minutes. As we get started here, I just want to say welcome. We've had a huge influx of listeners lately over the last couple months. I appreciate every one of you. Uh, You know, As you know, here, Reflection as a Service, we talk about entrepreneurship and software development. And today we're going to be talking more about the entrepreneurship world. In fact, we're going to be talking about ideas and how ideas come about and how do we vet them and how do we think through them and all those types of things. And uh, and so I'm really looking forward to that today. I hope it's something that interests you. I know that many software engineers, if you're a software engineer software developer and you're listening to this um, or a tester and you're thinking, you know, I'm 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 a developer, and people come to me all day with ideas, and they want me to just code it up. We're going to talk about that too. So I'm looking forward to this, uh, Giselle. I want to welcome to the program, Giselle Aldridge. Like I said, we go way back. Giselle is with Colossians Consulting, which specializes in development and development support, and also data sciences. So Giselle, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks, Paul. It's good to be here.
0: Yeah. So Giselle is going to guest host for me today, and we're. This was your idea, wasn't it?
1: For us to get together? Sure.
0: (laughs) Well to talk about Well the (laughs) idea of ideas, talking about the subject matter of ideas.
1: Yes, well that, that was that was definitely something that came up while we were pitching ideas.
0: And what what did what was this where does this come from for you?
1: Well I feel like you know, in in being an entrepreneur now, I feel like that's where a lot of my my energy gets spent is trying to figure out which ideas that, you know, are are or pitched me, or that I've had, um, are really worthy of being fleshed out further.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a that's a key part of all this. Maybe you know, maybe a good place to start with this is if you could give us a little bit of your background. So um, I know you, but so that our listeners can can know you.
1: Okay. Well, I have um, about seventeen years of of software development experience. I've worked for both um, Fortune five hundred companies as well as startups. And uh, small to medium-sized companies as well. And I just started to um, come to the situation where I could actually strike out on my own and, and try things out um, on my own. So I just kind of took that, that bull by the horns and decided to just jump out there. And so that's kind of where I'm at right now. But, you know, as of before, when I was working for other people and kind of executing other people's visions, you know, I didn't really... Um, exercise the idea muscle a whole lot and, and, and try to figure out which of those ideas I should execute on. I just kind of executed on the ideas of others. And, uh, notice that I was really good at that. Um, but now, now I can take my own vision and try to execute that. But I find that there is a, a constraint with time. So, time is the big constraint here with all of this, how much time do you actually have to flesh out ideas, to actually execute upon them. And um, so that's kind of the the thing that I wrestle with a lot. You know, you only have a certain number of hours in a day and how much of your day are you going to spend, you know, trying to either execute or flesh out ideas that you you had earlier. And so that's kind of something that I feel like it's it's a constant struggle, um, you know, you can have so many ideas and not really a whole lot of time to figure out which ones are worthy of being executed on, if that makes sense.
0: I Totally, I think it does. So tell me a little bit about this idea muscle. You said that you hadn't flexed it very much in the past. And I love the idea of this being a muscle because I know for me, um, I don't know if I've told this story on this podcast before, but I, I have mentioned several times I love playing golf. And my buddy, my buddy and I, one day, were standing on a tee box, and I said to him, "I really think that ideas for businesses is—I don't know if I use the word muscle, but it's like a muscle in that you have to get it stronger and stronger." And I think that if you just practice coming up with new ideas, it would help. So, I wonder if we could stand here on this tee box today, as we're playing golf, and as we're waiting for the group in front of us to get down the fairway, so that we can tee off. Think of five business ideas each. And he says, I don't I don't think it really works that way. <laughs> and I remember thinking, okay, my hypothesis is that it does. And if you don't want to play, that's fine. And I love I love my money. But um, but you know, that's that's kind of the way that I started thinking about ideas is how quickly can you think of them just in terms of brainstorming? And then how do you kind of weed out the bad ones and think through the good ones? And I think early in one's career as an entrepreneur, early in one's career as a business person, the idea is the thing that has so much weight regarding the business that you're going to start. And so we put place this huge emphasis on the idea. So I don't know. Is that, is that kind of where you're coming from this from is that the idea is incredibly important and Absolutely. they're, they're hard to think of. Is that kind of what I'm hearing?
1: Well, I feel like there are already are a great number of businesses out there who have come up with a great number of ideas, um, you know, that have already been executed upon. And so, you know, I remember uh, some years ago I had taught, I was talking to my husband who's also, he's a really great idea guy. He just, I mean, if you wanna play this game of how many ideas can you come up with in an hour? Right. <laughs> he's your Huckleberry,
0: I'm sure. Right, 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 that's cool.
1: <laughs> um, not to say that they're all good and he'll be the first one to admit, you know, yeah, I'll come up with a lot of ideas are not all good ideas. But they are ideas, right? And, right. Um, so I mean, you know, the 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 idea that he had come up with was to come come up with a, a software system that would handle um, medical charting, uh, because back then, and then we're talking some years back, there was talk about um, the federal government requiring all doctors' offices and hospitals to go from paper to um, you know, medical charting and, charting and, 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 they
0: did. Software. and they did and they yeah, did do
1: that. They did, so yeah. that tells you how long ago this was, you know, there <laughs> weren't a whole lot of people doing it quite yet at that time. Um, <clears throat> but we looked at that, you know, as, as a possibility for going into business and a little bit of research got put into it and we realized, Oh, there were already, you know, several big players out there that were already creating the software and already had cl- big clients. And so we kind of, you know, abandoned the idea at that point, because we realized there was going to be a lot of work that had to be done. And there were already a number of companies doing it, even, you know, small to medium, to large ones. So it it seemed like it was a saturated market. We just kind of abandoned the idea altogether at that point.
0: So it's so funny that you mentioned that, because I thought of that, probably near the same time. And I ended up doing um, uh, probably what was one of my last contracts working for a company that's not my own. And it was actually doing that. It was working on electronic medical records and mm. how you uh, prove to the government that you're actually using electronic medical records. Because that's that's the second oh, part of this, is that basically what the regulation said was that not only do you have to use them, but you have to prove to the government that you use them. And the way that we're going to ask you to prove it to us is to send us some electronic format of certain data that's non-personally identifiable. And so that's kind of how they were doing this to prove it. And what they actually did with the incentives, I know I probably don't need to get into all this, but the incentives were basically that no, during the first couple of years, I think it was like 2010, 2011, 2012 or something like that. Mm-hmm. If you used electronic medical records and could prove it, then you would get a, basically some type of credit or deduction. Yes. I think it was a credit on your, on your taxes.
1: Yes. And that and was a the big incentive to get these guys to jump into that.
0: Right. But there was a disincentive or a punishment after that time period. So I think beginning 2012 or 2013, if you weren't using those, you started getting... A penalty on your taxes and so yeah. and the penalty got stiffer over time so that was another part of this but there were there were multiple parts to how this was working I looked into it at the same time before I got into that job and started researching it that's what made me interested as well I totally understand where you're coming from with that particular market because the company that I did work for Ended up being um, a significant player in the marketplace, but not nearly as big as some of the others, like the IBMs right. and uh, and and the other gigantic companies that can just throw as much money behind something as they want.
1: Pretty much. And then you're 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 the little guy trying to the David, <laughs> right? Walking in there trying to take over the the market, and you're just way behind everybody right. else, who's just throw throw as many engineers or, or money into it as they as they want. Right.
0: Right. But now there were, there were also some significantly different segments to this with that particular idea. So you had, um, the large healthcare providers, things like, um, hospitals and such, where you might have systems set up in such a way, way where across a, an entire set of hospitals that are all by the same owner, you could apply the same type of technology, the same solution. Mm-hmm. And you've also got a very big buyer there. Um, But then you also had these mom and pop things where you have basically the primary care provider. So you've got a doctor and that particular family doctor has their own software and maybe they've got something that's a gazillion years old and they need someone to come in and provide it. So there were a lot of one-offs that people could do as well. But talking about the idea there, the idea is great. You know, multiple people had it. There's already a market for it. And and one of the things that I look for now that I didn't used to tell me, tell me what you do with this. But I used to think that if someone was already doing something, the idea was no good.
1: Yeah, that, that that was. I think that was the conclusion that we came to at that moment in time, even though, I mean, looking back, I don't know that that was entirely accurate. I mean, there are, are companies out there that do things that already, oh, those other, other companies were already doing, you know, when they came onto the scene, but they just managed to do it better, right? Or they right. managed to get better marketing um, than these other companies.
0: Right. So, so, and is it still that way for you? When you look at an idea, do you think if someone's already doing it, it's not a good idea?
1: I think my view on it is a little more tempered now. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'd have to get a, if it's something where there are a lot of players in that market, then I'm, it's going to require a lot more research in my opinion, right? You want to see what the other products that are currently there are doing, if that's possible and um, see how high quality they are Um. You know, that, that would be the ideal.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, I'm, I'm kind of the same way. I, I, like I said, I used to think if there was somebody already there, that meant that somebody had already done the idea. That basically, first to market was the thing that won. Mm-hmm. And what I realize now is very different that when you take an idea and you're looking through it, if someone's already in the market, in most cases, it means that there is viability to that particular idea. Right. right. If someone else can make money on it, that's a good thing. Now, you do have markets that are completely flooded that you don't want to get into. So there's right. that. And then you have other places where you look at the number of participants in the market. Like maybe you have a great idea, but there's only six real businesses like that can use it. A GE and a Westinghouse or you know something, something like that. Right. And good or luck trying smart. to get in to
1: see them to try to pitch your... It's your particular product.
0: Right. And someone's already locked them up in the market. Then what can a little guy do? I mean, if, exactly. I, if, I, if that particular company that's in that market servicing that need has, you know, billions of dollars in the bank, a little guy tries to come in, you've got no chance. Most likely
1: pretty much. Um,
0: so there are lots of different factors here. The competition is one of them, the size of the market, the number of customers in the market, how easy it is to, to get to those particular customers. Um, but determining whether or not a market is even viable is, is a really big part of this. Now you can see a market that has a lot of players, but it doesn't look completely saturated, but does that mean that you're going to make any money at it is another question.
1: Well, that, I totally agree. I mean, I believe there was one idea I had mentioned to you recently where, you know, if, if you look at it at first glance, you're probably thinking to yourself, well, I'm sure that there are plenty of players in that market already servicing that need. But if you look at it from the viewpoint of, well, who's serving this particular section of that market, you know, let's say small to medium businesses that do this particular service, is anybody really serving them? Um, If you can carve out like a piece of, of the market share in some kind of way that nobody else is doing then, then I think that that's an idea worth pursuing. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's interesting. So, so, you know, one of the things that you mentioned earlier that I want to go back to, if you don't mind is the idea of how much time do you put into your particular idea? You brought that up. What, what was right. your thinking about that and how do you assess that now?
1: Well, I think that's probably more an art than a science. Um, it's hard to quantify you know just how much time you really should invest into something when you don't really know you know what kind of return of an investment you're gonna get um until further down the road right so i I think you know I'm still working on that uh trying to figure out just how much effort you know should go into something I mean I think right now for me low hanging fruit is is what I'm going for yeah Um, so, you know, uh, clients that are already on the hook, that are asking for things, asking for services or, you know, different features and things like that, that they're, they've already got money in hand to give, you know, give to me. Those are the folks in front of the line.
0: (laughs) Right, 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 right. Yeah. 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 I totally agree. I think if you, if you have something, uh, that you think could be a business and people are already paying you to do it that's a good place to be right yeah i got to the point where i realized i was trying out all these ideas and i'd work on a project for six months coming home every day after after work and working on it for two or three hours or whatever back um before marriage and kids and when that's what i wanted to do with with my time after work instead of other things but i would sit down and work on a an idea for project for just months and the amount of time that I would put into it versus the amount of return that I got for it was not necessarily a calculation I even made. Mm.
1: you know.
0: And now when I look at it, it's like, well, what's the opportunity cost? What's the opportunity cost of pursuing this? So with, with my business right now, we are not trying to productize at this particular moment. We're mm-hmm. working on building up our service so that it's so good that uh, customers just can't help but come to us to provide test automation services, right? That's what we want to do is provide that as good as we possibly can. And my thinking is like you, that in a consulting business like this, whether it's test automation or data sciences or development support of development services, uh, you're going to hit a whole bunch of different customers. And over time, hopefully my, my hope is that we're going to hear the same ideas. I would like a product that blah, blah, blah. Or if, if you could solve this problem, I would blah, blah, blah. Right. Right. Is that kind of where you're coming from on that as well?
1: Well, that would, boy, if something just landed on my lap like that, that would be great.
0: Um, <laughs> well, that sounded <laughs> like what you were kind of kind of talking about. Did I mis- misunderstand?
1: Um, well, I mean, no, I, I think what I was just trying to say was that rather than chase the grand idea, you know, that I had last week, and spend a lot of time trying to flesh that out and trying to write, you know, prototypes and things like that. Right now, I'm trying to just trying to focus on the low-hanging fruit of, well, I already have, you know, a client that wants certain things and he's going yeah. to pay for it. And so, you know, I'm, I'm going to focus on that until I'm done with these things. And then after that, I can devote time to, you know, these other ideas that I have floating around in my head. Gotcha. Um, Just because there's just only so many, you know, finite number of hours in your day, in your week. And so I have to try to prioritize my time in a way that makes sense. But back to something that you said just a little while ago, um, where you were spending all kinds of time on ideas, not really figuring ahead of time um, what the cost was going to be of, 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 of trying to, you know, flesh these ideas out, I do think that I'm pretty sure that you did actually, you learn things as a, you know, as a result oh, yeah. of, of these ideas, right? So oh, yeah. if, I don't feel like co-enact ideas is never fruitful in some kind of way. It's just that with, you know, the finite number of hours that you have, you know, in a day, in a week, you do have to be somewhat discerning about where you spend your hours.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I didn't mean to uh, your you're, thanks so much for bringing me back to that because, but I, I didn't want to make it sound like I had never gotten anything out of those projects. I totally did. So for instance, with the original ones, the early ones, I knew that I wanted to learn certain technologies. And so I would make sure that I used a certain technology within that project. What mm-hmm. I learned very quickly was when you're sitting alone, and this was back before there were, there was a stack overflow and back before you had so many resources to learn a new technology, you pretty much right. had to buy a book or you had to just sit there and look at the API documents or. I remember um, that. Read, yeah, read specs or something until you could figure out what was going on. You wish have to play then, with it. Yeah. No. Yeah, one of the things that I learned was self-reliance and how to figure out problems without other people. And that Mm -hmm. I can't, you can't figure out every problem without other people. And I certainly use other people all the time to try to get, uh, to, to, to brainstorm, to get new ideas, to get help on things. You have to have other people around. But that self-reliance was something that has taken me much, much farther than other things. One of the things that came out of that was sitting down with folks that I had an idea with and, or they had an idea and we worked out all the documentation. We worked out a partner agreement before any code was made before a (laughs) single dollar had been invested in it. And we made sure, and I wanted to fight really hard to make sure that it was set up exactly the right way and whatever. And that's just ludicrous now. Like I don't, (laughs) there's no agreement (laughs) until there's money involved. Like I'm not going to spend time on that junk. So, you know, you, you do these things and absolutely you learn from them, but you also, for me, I've learned how to be more effective in pursuing an idea, uh, beforehand as well.
1: Okay. What about NDAs? Do you, do you not know? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it, it kind of depends. Like what are you at some point? What are you protecting? Right. Right. I have some favorite stories. This is one of them. So <laughs> this uh, <laughs> I was talking to this guy years and years and years ago. He came up to me when I had started, um, had just started one of my businesses and he says, look, I have this great idea for you. And all I need is for someone to write the software for it. And it's really not that much to write. And then he went into it and mm-hmm. he started telling me what it was. And he spent maybe five, ten minutes explaining it to me. And I said, okay, so how would this work? Because I, how many people, as, if you're a developer and someone hasn't approached you with this and you've, you're more than five years into your career, then just bless you. Because it must have happened, you know, five <laughs> times a year for the first five years that I was wow. that I was in software. Okay. Or, four, or three or something, I don't know. But a lot of times. But this guy comes up and he says this. And I said, okay. And this is after that first five years, probably 10 years. Uh, my,
1: my family still thinks I fix computers, so.
0: Right, <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So hey, he, I've
1: got this virus and I don't know what to do with it.
0: Can you fix that for me, right? No. So this guy's telling me his idea. And I said, okay, so so how do you see this working out? And he says, well, I think that there should be a split. And since it's my idea, I'll have 51% and you can have 49. And I said, well, what are you <laughs> going to provide for this? And he says, well, I'll do the business side. And that was always the, how it was going to work, that they were going to do the business side. And I was going to do the mm-hmm. technical part and they were going to get 51%. And I said, okay, so what have you done so far? And he says, nothing. nothing. Said, so have you written the idea down? No. And I said, okay, so you just told me your idea. What do I need you for? And he was stunned. He was absolutely stunned. <laughs> And I'm like, so, so I, why would I need you for anything? you say you're going to do the business part, but you haven't done anything. So you want me to do the software before you do anything and you just get to lay back and sip pina coladas. Like that's not going to work for me. Um, and you get 51% somehow for not doing the work. And how, do you know how hard it is to write software? Like it's, right. it's not easy to write good it's, software.
1: Yes. I, I yeah. love all the people who seem to think that software can be written as quickly as they can say it. Right. <laughs>
0: right, right, so so that was that was one of the things where you're talking about NDAs well, in that case, I don't need an NDA.
1: well, no, um, there's nothing there's nothing that's been you know. Actually fleshed out or prototype.
0: Right now, when you start writing code, maybe there is something that needs to be protected. If you yes. have a significant idea that you're starting to market before you write the code, maybe there is something to be protected in general. I think that a good idea is not something that can be stolen. So if you have an idea and it's something that you've really thought through and really worked on or written about and taken time to really tease out and you share it with somebody they can't steal it from you because whatever they're going to do is not going to be anywhere close to what you would do anyway,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? If you have something like "I want to be the Facebook for um, for podcasts," like that, that's not fleshed out. You don't know, you don't right. know anything about that. I
1: actually came up with uh, one point: Facebook for artists, right?
0: <laughs> right, right. And then I, I was just, like,
1: "Wait a minute, artists don't have any money." <laughs> <laughs> Right, most artists. Idea abandoned. Yeah.
0: I love them. I love them, but the reason they produce great art is because they are usually because they're struggling. I want to look this guy up real quick. Um, I may have to edit this out, but uh, there's somebody that I'm thinking about that has a nice test for these ideas, and you just mentioned one part of it. Let me just see if I can find him. Uh, this is Casey, and this is a guy that's actually in Austin too. Here it is, Keith Casey. That's who it is. Okay. So I follow this guy, Keith Casey on, uh, Twitter. I've met him. Yeah. Yeah. I've met him at uh, a couple of conferences. I think he's in the Austin area Yes, and he's an entrepreneur. He has the same thing where people come to him with an idea and he has a test that he's written about out on the web and I'll go back and try to try to find the link to it. But one of the pieces of his test is if the person giving you the idea says it's the Facebook of, then he just (laughs) stops listening. He (laughs) stops listening, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And he had several others. Now I've got my own detector for this. And one of them is, have you written it down? And then mm. before we go any farther, send me one paragraph. I do not want two paragraphs. I do not want a page. That's one paragraph. I want like four <laughs> lines where you explain your idea because it's harder to get an idea into a uh, hundred words than it is to write three pages about it. You know? Sure.
1: Well, it may- it forces you to think about it anyways, right? If you have to synthesize something into, you know, less words than what you originally thought it in, then it it does force you to think about your idea.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I think it does.
1: Have you heard of Rands at all? Rands in repose. He wrote. He writes a blog um, called Rands in Repose. He's a software development manager. I think. I don't know that one. Apple now. it's, it's, it's hilarious. I'll have to send you the link at some point, but he has a, um, a friend NDA that he wrote out for, you know, cause I guess he, he was getting a lot of friends that would come up to him at the bar and, you know, want to talk about their ideas for software. Yeah. And so he had like a friend NDA that he <laughs> would people, you know, agree to verbally. <laughs> before he would share ideas with them to like
0: bounce ideas off of them. Interesting, I'd love to see that. Make sure to um, send me that link after and I'll put it in the show notes and stuff too. Oh yeah, I'll send um, that to you.
1: He's entertaining.
0: You know, I think you're exactly right. I think that there, there is something about this and I, I think of how many times that I've had ideas and I shared them with someone and someone just destroys it, right? Like <laughs> someone who's actually done, who's actually tried to put things in the market or to sell services Outside of someone else funding it, or outside of major funding or whatever, Mm -hmm. that kind of person, when when you ask them for advice, they're going to give you real advice back, and it's going to hurt if you're attached to your idea. And I think one of the things that I do now is I want to explore with people first: like, is this just a dream that's not going to happen? Are you just having fun talking with me about it? Mm -hmm. Right? Because an idea can be a very safe place, provided you never do anything with it. True. It's there's no risk to having an idea.
1: Right.
0: So is this if like if a friend were to come to me and talk through an idea, I want to know, are they are they serious about this? Are they actually trying to do something about it? Let's take a nice, easy step before we actually really try to vet this because it's really it can get really personal. People get so attached to their ideas, and if you were to say, "Well, there's no market for that. I don't see how it would ever work, they can be really offended and it could hurt friendship, right?
1: Hmm. I never thought of it that way. But yeah, I I see where that would definitely happen. You know, if they were somehow really invested in this idea and, you know, and and you're right. There's some folks that just, they're just talking, right? They're not necessarily, you know, have any. And that's fine.
0: That's fine. That's a place to be. I was there for a long, long time. And I think sometimes you have to be in that place before you take one and, and go with it.
1: Right. So then the question is, you know, at what point do you know that? that the idea is worth trying to bring to reality. Um, but that's what really where it? I get excited, is when I can take an idea and make it real.
0: Yeah, well, and I, and I think that's the real trick is when you have one of these. So I just, I just started a class and I know that this doesn't sound like something entrepreneurial or whatever, but I'm, I'm starting online classes for teaching things. I love teaching test automation engineers. I love teaching developers and it's something that, um, or, or, uh, you know, I learn a lot more doing that teaching than the students do or, or the attendees do. But, um, but I love doing it. I love seeing the light come on. And so I decided to make some offerings for that. And that may not sound like a product that, a software engineer listening to this is going to say, oh, what a great idea. Most software engineers are going to say, well, there's already Udemy for that. Or, or they're going to say, um, oh, yeah, let's think about how the application would be built for that. And really what I'm doing with it is I've decided to just put it out there and see what I can get the market to do and see mm-hmm. how much of the market I can contact with it and who signs up. And I'm doing it as low cost as possible. Um, there's no, I'm not building an application to offer these things, right? I, I I'm assume using,
1: you're using something that's already design right
0: right? yeah i'm going to use something that's already designed for it and see if people buy it but Mm -hmm. even in that you know i don't i don't know like that that's the same kind of thing those offerings taking them and putting them out there that's what i would i would hope people um you know in this day and age would be able to try because there's so many ways to get an idea out to the market um, than there have ever been before
1: that's a good point that's a good point
0: what so um so what else did you want to explore with this idea we we talked a little bit about a few of these things I think um I hope I'm not selling short the excitement of an idea. Do you think we're selling no. that short
1: I don't I hope not I'd hate to be the great big idea killer out there
0: <laughs> <laughs> It's so much fun though it is, crush it's it so much fun. <laughs> yeah, it's so much fun to have these things to have these ideas and to be trying things and I think we need more people doing this today. Um, we need more people that are trying things in the economy. We've got a lot of them. There's so many great models for how to do this, like the, uh, minimum viable product. Um, there are lots of agile type and lean type ways to get ideas out these days and to see if they'll work without having to do a ton of upfront work and a high cost. Right. It is interesting. You know, we've got this stuff like, like even the serverless, um, things like Lambda and AWS now where you, you don't need a to create a server. You can put code up there and it runs some, I don't know enough about it to even talk about it, but there's so many great ways to get things done these days that we didn't used to have.
1: That's, that's absolutely true. I mean, I was just talking to somebody about, um, you know, back in the days before, you know, cloud servers and before Azure and all of those things. And, um, <laughs> it's pretty funny because I felt like I was talking about, you know, the ice age or something. It wasn't really that long ago that <laughs> yeah. we didn't have these right. things, right. right. you know, right. um, that if you wanted to do something, you had to buy a, your own server and, yeah. and set things up there.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. And you had to find a way to monitor it yourself and you had to do all these, right. all these other things. Yeah. Yeah. It's You're, crazy. You
1: know, suddenly a software person, you have to th- learn all of this hardware, uh, stuff just to be able to put something out there.
0: <laughs> yeah well you know i guess there are a couple things that i that i wanted to mention when you brought this up i did a little brainstorming and thought through it so a couple things real quick number one the idea of novelty so i think it's really easy to think that you have to have a novel idea in order to make business work and we talked about that a little bit but some of the most effective and uh highest margin businesses are not novel they're things that have been done a hundred times and you're just doing them a tiny bit different or you're doing them in a market where it hasn't been done before and it's just gotten to the point where it needs it. So right. novelty is not necessarily a requirement for this. And then I guess the other thing that I just wanted to, to bring up is the idea of value. And I know that it's been, you know, I, I think, I think it's really easy when you're taking an idea for the first time out there and you're thinking about how, how to produce it. And many times what people will do is they'll put something out there for free they'll put some piece out there for free and start looking at how am I going to charge for it later mm-hmm. um, or they look at something that is already free and they're just and they say why isn't someone charging for this well many times the things that are free they won't sell when you start charging for them right it one. was a great idea when it was free but once you start asking for people for money, they're not interested in doing it. So um, that would be another thing that I would talk about with ideas. And then I guess the final thing is just when you're talking about ideas and you're vetting them out, one of the things that I find useful is figuring out who the customer is going to be and talking about who, who that actually is. Are you going to be delivering something for an actual uh, end user, or a customer, a consumer? Or are you going to be doing something that's business to business? Because when you start thinking about that and the ways that choices are made in buying things, um, and the way that things are sold, those are two major pieces of this. And once again, I'm, I'm, I feel like such a freshman, such a rookie at so much of this stuff. Um, I still feel like I'm at the very beginning in so many ways and I don't oh, have all the well, answers. I definitely
1: feel um, feel that way as well.
0: And, and I would, I- anyone who's listening, who has more experience with this, I want to hear from you. Make sure to reach out to us, uh, for sure. Did you have thoughts about that?
1: Well, I, I do actually. Um, I guess the part that I, Kind of struggle with is, especially if we're talking about a market that I'm not quite as familiar with. Um, you know, like you, you and I talked about an idea about selling to folks that um, that produce goods that you know are not selling it online. Let's say, and um, you know, my my whole struggle with that is, well, you know, I'm not a person that does that. So I don't really fully understand their viewpoint or their perspective on, you know, what are what are they going to find um, enticing uh, about, you know, what kind of sales pitch is going to make them say, you know what, yeah, I, I I want that service, you know, I'm I'm definitely in, um, you know, and I'm just not sure about, you know, how to pitch to those kinds of folks, you know, how much interest am I really going to get? Like, I think they would be really interested and I think they could potentially make a lot of money, but, um, how do I talk to these people in, in their language, you know, so that they can also easily be, you know, in my corner and easily say, yeah, you know what? I think I do want that, that service, um, you know, how much money would they have to make for for them to think that it's worth it to engage, you know, my company on this. Yeah, and so what have, you know.
0: done to, what have you done to try to figure that out? Or what are some ideas that you have for figuring that out that maybe other people haven't thought through or haven't tried?
1: Uh, my, my only thought is that I'm going to have to start, you know, an in-depth conversation with folks that I somewhat know. Um, you know, folks that would be willing to talk to me. Because I just don't have the insight, um, you know, that only they would have. Yeah. So unless I start just selling products (laughs) like they are, um, you know, I just, that's, that's the only way that I think that I'm able to understand, you know, anybody else's viewpoint is by having a conversation and they have to be willing to be part of that conversation. So I think the, the um, sticking point for me, the po- the point where I'm going to have to really think about is how do I make them interested enough to have an in-depth conversation about their business yeah. and their yeah. business model? And what are the pains that they feel? And, you know, um, getting them to talk about themselves in, in, in that way to, to basically a complete stranger. Yeah. So.
0: Well, and this is exactly what I have tried to do with Beaufort Fairmont is to understand the testing industry as best I can. And so to me, one of the things that I realized, um, Probably not as quickly as I would have liked (laughs) is that just because you've been a software developer in a lot of places doesn't mean that you understand. And just because you've been a tester, doesn't mean that you understand the industry as a whole and it doesn't mean that you understand the different mindsets of different folks there. So uh, one experience within a particular market, within a particular company, within a particular department and team and whatever does not necessarily give you any meaningful information about the market as a whole. So you know, I, I think this, w- one thing that I did was to go out and try to understand who the competitors were in that particular market and what they were selling. Okay. And then once I started seeing that, and where are they participating in things? So where do they get together? Where can I find them already? Because trying to go out and find people is really difficult. Like trying to go out and find a list of 100 email addresses in order to hopefully get three conversations next week about whatever idea it is. And I don't think those odds are unreal. Like I think that those are probably pretty decent odds is three for a hundred, uh, in trying to get that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, unless you're really good at crafting emails or just uh, have some really great incentive for people.
1: You really um, think there's an email out there that can <laughs> convince more people than that to
0: what? Well, yeah. Some emails are, are wow. not all equal emails. I'm are created, created cool. But I, <laughs> but,
1: you I need know, to take I, a class.
0: <laughs> there are classes there are classes but see that but that's exactly what i'm talking about is like understanding the market They're, knowing that um knowing who these people are finding out what they already are so many times these industries will already have places where they've got conventions they've got conferences all those types of things and just finding a way to get into one of those, Mm -hmm. you can have, you can have 20, 30, 40 conversations in two or three days and start understanding what's going on or sit in a few different sessions and start hearing the language and the vocabulary that people are using. And once you start understanding that, it's huge. Um, one of the things that I saw with this with testing was a conference a while back where, uh, it was a small conference and these folks, Showed up and everyone stared at them when they showed up because they had on suits and they, you know, were they looked like used car salespeople like they, they like they were they were looking for a fish to catch, you know. Nice. And I went to their session to kind of learn about it, and they offended that all twenty people almost <gasps> simultaneously in the session. By what they said about the problems that testers face, it was very clear that neither of them had ever been a tester. Wow! And that that they knew nothing about it. And so, what they were used to doing, it it looked like they were used to going and showing this presentation to executives and Mm -hmm. to salespeople and whatever else. Okay. But when you're sitting there with testers, you have a whole different world, right? So different
1: audience completely. Completely different audience.
0: Yeah. So that's what I'm saying is that one experience like that, seeing something like that. Can really give you insight about how far away you are how far others are away from understanding the instru- the, the industry and in different companies when you're at these events or whatever you'll see one company who seems to hit it just just in a way that resonates, and you see another one who just seems like they're from 20 years ago you know? <laughs> and talking to them and understanding their perspectives can give you a whole new perspective on how to participate in that market as well
1: yeah. Well, you can learn from everybody, right? Even if it's, you know, learning to not do what they did.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, this is fun. I'm enjoying talking to you. You know, um, you've been listening to Reflection as a Service. Myself, Paul Merrill, and Giselle Aldridge Giselle is serving as a guest host for us today, and I've really appreciated having her on. We've been talking about ideas within business. You know, we always talk about either entrepreneurship or software development on this podcast, and today we've been talking about entrepreneurship and how we take an idea and what we do with it uh, and how people relate to these ideas that they have related to their businesses. Um, It's been a terrific conversation. I hope you all have enjoyed it. Make sure, if you've liked it, to go out onto the place that you found us, whether it's iTunes or SoundCloud, or uh or, or Google Play and make sure to like us. You can find us online at reflectionasaservice.com. You can reach out to me. I'm always on Twitter, Paul Merrill on Twitter. And uh, we've got a handle on Twitter as well, Reflection AAS on Twitter. Follow us on there if you want to know about all the new episodes that come out, those types of things. We try to produce these twice a month, once on the 1st and once on the 15th. A couple things that are coming up with with me. I just got accepted to a conference in Atlanta called Quality Jam in April. So I'll be out there at Quality Jam in April. I think it's going to be a terrific conference. They've got some good names. Coming out there. Um, I'll also be, I hope that this comes out before TriAgile, which is one in late March here in Raleigh, which is a terrific Agile, uh, place. I'm, we just joined the Agile Podcast Network, and this is a group of podcasts that have gotten together to kind of help each other out and build each other up. Make sure to check that out, agilepodcastnetwork.com. These are some really great podcasts. We, we love working with those folks from, from those other ones. Deliver it is one of those podcasts and uh, meta cast is a really good one on agile stuff. Giselle, I want to thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Any thoughts you'd like to leave the listeners with?
1: Um, sure. I just wanted to do a quick plug if that's okay.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, so I, um, again, my name is Giselle Aldridge with, uh, Colossians consulting. And, um, we, we do uh, development and development support. We're also offering data science services now. I also have a blog that I, I co write um, with another colleague of mine, Karen McCarthy. Uh, the name of it is I Am IT Woman. Um, that is I A M I T and then woman.com. And we write about uh, issues facing women in the STEM fields.
0: Nice. I love that you're doing that. Um, and I love, um, what you're doing down there in Austin. Uh, I know that you, you haven't been there that long. You're building up your network there. You've got some, some customer, uh, some business already and you're looking to build that out. Um, you know, I've always been a supporter. I hope I've always been a supporter of you. I, I am yeah, now for sure. A, I'm awesome. um, and I, I, like, uh, I like what you're doing down there. I think you're going to see great things at Colossian Consulting, um, already seeing great things. And I think customers, people who are looking for data sciences, people who are looking for development services like yours um, would, would be well served to work with you guys.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for the opportunity, Paul. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, this is a lot of fun. Thanks so much. Once again, you've been listening to Reflection as a Service. Thanks for coming out listening. Talk to you soon.